Hello and welcome to the Third Space Podcast, episode number 69. Nice. Go hug yourself. Uh, this episode has two parts. Uh, in the first part, Daniel talks about his recent experience as an assistant director of a play at his school. So he talks a little bit about what that experience was like. Uh, and then the, uh, the play itself was an absurdist play. So we talk about absurdism a little bit, what it is, what are some examples of absurdism in popular culture or entertainment, and why do people like absurdism? Uh, that's an interesting uh, little bit of conversation. And then I have an article that I found uh, entertaining, to say the least, uh, and I read the article. It's about hugs. So Daniel and I discuss the importance of hugs. Uh, we both have interesting opinions on the matter and on this particular type of article. So uh, with that, it's time for this episode to begin. Please enjoy. Hello. Hi. Oh. Good day. <laughs> Ahoy. <laughs> we said we both said hello very casually at the same time, which I appreciate. Yeah. Did it? Did it? Does the greeting "hello" like? Did it calm you? Did it? It made me. You know, it I mean, made me feel seen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't see you, but I heard you. Well, I felt, so. I felt seen, and that's what yeah, matters. That's, yeah, <laughs> your your lived experience. Yes. So I can't deny it. Nope. Uh, what's new? What's new in Daniel Land? Um, I just on Sunday closed out the show. Uh, I was an assistant director for a high school production of of an absurdist. School, I've heard of that theater. That was a movie, right? A really famous movie, High School Musical. It, it was a high play. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a musical. <laughs> high School Theater. It's the non musical version. That came out um, years ago, didn't it? Um. <laughs> Yeah, it it like my ninth grade students might consider this high school musical like uh like yeah they might consider it retro <laughs> just to put that, and you would think of it as like you pop culture kids with your high school musical <laughs> it just came out like I don't know ten years ago or something yeah yeah they'd actually see it as retro or like something they heard of when they were little um anyway um yeah so so. I was an assistant director for a play, so now I wear my beret everywhere and carry right, around that chair that kind of collapses on me sometimes. Yeah, but you I have really a, you have one of those clipboard, snapboard things. Yeah, what do they call yeah, those? Yeah, clappers sn- or whatever. Clappers. That's it. Whenever yeah. so class I go around starts, clapping. You, you're, you're really pushing the envelope for clappers, and whenever your English class starts, now you get up front and you snap it. And I go and action, <laughs> and then I uh, and then I be then I start teaching. <laughs> Please turn like I'm just silently too. doing nothing. I have my back <laughs> turned to them, and then I go, and actually, I clap, and then I turn around, and I go, oh, hi. <laughs> you know, anyway. Oh, hi, class. Um, what I want to ask you about is, uh-huh. is this production of this play was, it, it was, it's one of the more famous plays from Theater of the Absurd, this sort of <laughs> 1950s movement built on the uh, philosopher Albert Camus, this French philosopher. It looks like Camus by C-A-M-U-S. 
He did the uh, Myth of Sisyphus. Are you familiar with the Myth of Sisyphus? Is that the one with the guy pushing the rock up the hill? Yep, and just keeps rolling down like the dung beetles, you know, yeah. pushing pushing poop up the hill and it rolls back down. And but yeah. but yeah, person, yeah, and so it's just this the pointlessness, the absurdity of life. Right. Um, but it kind of is a reaction. So I don't want to give a history lesson or whatever, but it's like influenced by surrealism and Dadaism, and like these these people came along and said life is pointless and it's miserable and it's woeful and it's terrible. Well, the absurdist said, yeah, I agree, life is pointless and and absurd you know but in that pointlessness there's a freedom and a the sense of humor about it like it's both dark and weird and funny and Mm -hmm. so why not revel in it and kind of like really heighten the bizarreness of it and so when you have a play a theater of the absurd type play it resists these are the characteristics it resists narrative form it's intentionally almost like if you're an old man that couldn't hear or see well and you squinted you go that's a play yeah, those, that's a mm-hmm. couple, you know, and it looks familiar. There's a c- couple on a couch starting to argue. But but it, there are moments that are absolutely like acid trippy or mm-hmm. – and, and even the dialogue might be contradictory or the characterization. It resists it resist narrative form. Do you have so any this example is, of, you know, in wider, wider for, culture? Waiting for Godot and – well, I would actually say it influences a lot of our um, – it influences humor that we know today. Um, you could almost call it like the, the idea of a jokeoid, like it resembles a joke. It feels like a joke. It's a here's the part to laugh because you said it in a weird way and with a lot of pageantry around mm-hmm. it, but it wasn't a laugh out or it wasn't what was, the formula of a joke. What was that uh, r- That show? It was, I'm thinking. The robot, for, robot Chicken. Oh, Robot uh, Chicken might, could be. What about like, I'm mind. thinking Bill and Ted, but it's not Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, right? There's, oh, 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 you're thinking you know of. I'm um, thinking of the two guys. Oh, yeah, 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 the two, two guys. guys uh, and, and it was also a. a, a it's free real estate. Excellent, excellent job. Or, no, yeah, not, great job. Not, yeah, awesome show, great job. Um, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Those now people. Now you've got Bill and Ted in my head. I, gotta I know, I couldn't think of the actual people, but you, you know awesome what I'm. Those show, guys. great. Tim and Eric. Tim, Tim and Eric. Awesome Eric. Show, great job. Yeah, I think Is that's that fair. Like, I would say yes. Uh, I would say they lean into the humor element. There are uh, usually an absurdist playwright would uh, also wait. Like it'd be heavy and and okay. So the absurdist playwright is not is willing to make you uncomfortable so and like, make even you like, miserable. Even. even some of the uh, the cut in jokes from like Family Guy or something are absurdist, right? Like he, you know, the doorbell rings and he opens it and it's like you know, a T-Rex or something, and it eats him. Like, that's absurd. Re- yes. Do you recall, like, in, in 2010, maybe, and maybe even up till now, I mean, your pop culture knowledge is so low that this might feel really relevant to you, but, like, everyone would say, that's so random, and, like, this yeah. idea of random, yes, like, yeah, yeah. was that definitely linked with absurdism. So, um, but I would say that, like, and, and the show we produced, we leaned into the comedy elements, but the... A real absurdist play would probably make you uncomfortable, confused, and you'd laugh, and you'd be a little terrified, and you'd be, you just, you'd have an experience that is bewildering holistically. And okay. like this, this play, uh, I don't see why I wouldn't say the title. It's called The Bald Soprano. Um, and its subtitle is an- Anti Play. It's a mafia <laughs> show on TV. You adapt that show? I never saw yeah, it. Yeah. I didn't realize it was absurdist. The Bald Sopranos, <laughs> like an excellent HBO series, really launched them, put them on the map as yeah, far as like gritty entertainment. Um, no, that's not it, I don't think. Uh, 
I really love how often I can use that <laughs> fl- flavor of joke, though. That really uh, that makes me happy. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I lost my train of thought. On Bald that. Sopranos. Yes. Oh, the subtitle is anti-play or anti-play. Anti-play. And, so, uh, and like, I okay. find that. My, so my question for you, I guess, is like, do you does this does the idea tickle you? Or do you find it pretentious? Like when you watch the plays, they are they're not just delightful romps and funny humor. In fact, like sometimes you might even find it devoid of humor and just like mm-hmm. again, like emphasis on the bewildering and the and like just weird for weird's sake kind of thing, as meant to be some sort of social commentary on the absurdity of life and the ritualistic nature of our suburban dread, you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, right. So let's see if I can, what, how, how I can think, what are my thoughts on this? On absurd, <laughs> on absurdism in general, I can understand. Like hipsters eat it up kind of thing. I'm sure. Or, or, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I can understand if if you believe that nothing matters and because nothing matters, action A is in the end equivalent to action B, which is equivalent to action C. No action you take truly has any particular import. So why not amuse yourself by doing the most absurd and unexpected thing? That's that is yes. the absurdist claim, right? Yes, I can understand that. Even though, even though I don't agree, I don't agree with the uh, the premise that nothing matters and all actions are equivalent. But I can appreciate, um, kind of taking a, an absurd and unexpected action for amusement's sake. I think there are valuable things in existence and in life, and humor and amusement are two of those things. Um, you know, among among many others, and so it's worthwhile to think outside of the box or do something kind of absurd simply f- simply to enrich the experience that we all have. Um, so that's one that's one thing. And I'll, I'll give you a personal example. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before or not, but uh, my first job was as uh, I worked in a restaurant, uh, and I started there when I was like sixteen, washing dishes. And by the time I left, it was after college. And, you know, I was waiting tables. But on my last yeah. day, uh, waiting tables in this restaurant, I decided to be really weird. Um, <laughs> just, I, why did I decide to be really weird? I don't know, because it amused me. It was absurd. But so what I, sort of things did you do? I found it deeply funny. So I, would, I walked backwards through the dining room. The whole night, I just walked backwards everywhere I went. When <laughs> Consistently, I, you it, just walked just, back. I didn't, I didn't react like I was walking backwards or whatever. I just pretended like that was normal, and I just walked backwards to all of my tables. Did you announce to some buddies, some I didn't fellow tell waiters, any, like, "I'm going to do this no, and I'm going to be really weird tonight"? That was the point. Is that I was just, it was just going to be absurd. Um, and for you, in some way, it's like your own private show of weirdness where yeah. you don't, you're not. Pre- yeah. And yeah. I, like we had, you know, those big pepper grinders um, when people yeah. order salads or whatever yeah. and you yeah. grind grind the pepper. And with one of my table, you, you know, usually you say, oh, would you like some pepper? And they say, oh, yes, please. And you go, and they say, okay, thanks. Right. And then you stop. Say when. Say when, yeah. right. And instead, I just, I started grinding the pepper and then I started having a casual conversation about how, oh, the menu is really good tonight. You're going to love our, 
you know, whatever this entree is, blah, 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 blah. And I just kept talking and kept doing the pepper until there was, <laughs> and she kept saying, when, when, stop, stop, that's enough pepper. And I just kept peppering and there was a huge, <laughs> a huge black tower of pepper on the salad. They were laughing, That's of a course. little bit risky too, yeah. yeah. I, they were nice people and they, they were laughing and I had another salad obviously waiting and ready to swap yeah, it out. I yeah. wasn't going to ruin their <laughs> dinner. Um, but really? stuff like that. And, and it was absurd, and but it was deeply amusing to me. So do you think that fit? Does that fit into kind of this category? Obviously, I could have, you know, if I didn't care about social, or if I didn't care more about social norms, or if I didn't care about, you know, making people uncomfortable, I could have been, you know, I could have brought in other aspects of absurdism other than just humor. Um, I, I, you know, I could have dropped my funny. pants in the middle of the dining room and you know done the hokey pokey or something and that would have been <laughs> yeah. absurd but you know would have would have engendered different feelings namely arousal and <laughs> the uh and the patrons <laughs> rather than <laughs> rather than just amusement amusement arousal it's all fair game yeah. and absurdism um yeah i think this fits in the same okay so i'll tell you about one of my favorite moments um and watching the process so the director um he, he kind of was in a headspace where he was indulging his whims and, you know, wanted to pepper the, the, to, to, bo- uh, to and he borrow did, our he stories. He peppered it and he just, he never stopped. Peppered in jokes and moments of amusement. So there was a yeah. fire chief and we had this like oversized fire helmet to sort of emphasize how goofy this particular character was. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment where the family, the, the, the fire chief has gone into the home and, and is sitting on the couch and then the, the, they all kiss the helmet. Um, they mm-hmm. all take his helmet, kind of a, a adoring this, you know, hero and kissing the helmet. Well, he we we placed a smaller helmet underneath the big giant helmet. So unbeknownst to the That's audience funny. for this whole, and then, yeah, I mean, it was just a smaller <laughs> helmet. And when we actually performed this for the first time, we had to the the director who made up the joke himself in a non-ironic fashion just starts like he he jump he starts laughing jumps up can't find like he needed to find a table and we, like the the actors actually stopped which they're not supposed to do but this was such an outrageous reaction and like is belly laughing and starts hitting the table and goes I can't handle this like and it was actually a sincere Wait, moment wh- it wasn't while they were performing it yes yes <laughs> this is not the opening night of the show but this uh, is just out of rehearsal right oh, and so okay. he's just and he goes I can't handle this and like. He goes, that's good. Oh, my God. He goes, it's so dumb. And that made all of us laugh when he said it's so dumb. <laughs> and, like, that was a delightful moment of, of I've, I've, there's no, like, I've why seen, is that so funny? I've you seen know, that, that ga- It's a gag. Yeah, I've yeah, seen that yeah. gag elsewhere. Like, what? where was it? I don't know. Some stupid internet video. It feels video. familiar, doesn't it, though? Yeah, some, like, it feels some... familiar. There's something about it. It's, like, vaguely familiar. It's yeah, not like yeah. he invented... It wasn't this creative genius, and I don't think he was trying to be. He was, like, you know, the gag, like, of where you t- you have something smaller that resembles it. I feel like there's some iteration well, I, of I that joke I saw something that of, like, some, like, street troll guy or something put a big bucket over his head and went and, like, ooga booga 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 to people on the sidewalk and banging the bucket or something and someone got mad and yanked the bucket off his head and there's another one, smaller one underneath <laughs> and like and then he ran off or yeah, something and that's yeah. the same joke and that makes me laugh right there so yes yes um it's and, and unexpected that's, that's i mean that's what the underlying thing is right is the it's the unexpected that makes you go ha and maybe that's a, a key part of humor in general i think so that twist that turn that that 
pivot from expectations. I mean, it, there's humor can either be like a build towards some social taboo. That's why taboo subjects or cursing or dirty jokes are, are amusing, I think, is because we're not supposed to talk about it and here yeah. it is being talked about it and then the joke allows for that release but i also just think that yeah the misdirection or the subversion of expectations is hilarious um but but then but then like are we in a realm where absurdism is everything like like uh you know every and i don't I, this is a very specific and short-lived movement in terms of theater of the absurd as as cataloged by like historians of theater i, I can see why that would be the case well, my question is, why are we like so? There's like, so the Bald Soprano, Waiting for Godot, those are the two. Like, there's there's lots, there's several others, there's a handful of others. But like, if you if you were to Google absurdist plays, I bet you those two would pop up. And my point, that, like, what, isn't there something ironically like, catcher in the rye? To, catcher in the rye uh, is absurd. <laughs> no, no, to kill no, a mockingbird. No, no, yeah, no. It's absurdist. <laughs> Have no, you ever read not. it? It's like, just what is not. going on? Yeah. <laughs> Neither of those things are true. Yes, I've read it, and that's not true. <laughs> like, I just know those are two of You sound like a ninth your... grader who wasn't like, talking about a book, just saying. like I know those are is... two, two of you your favorites. So it's yeah, just... I do like those. Have just... you ever read them? It's like, what is going on? <laughs> Hot take <laughs> on the novel. I mean, um, who's named Atticus? And yeah, who like is this catcher? Finch. Why is he in some rye? Yeah. You know? It's about a baseball player. <laughs> um, so... So the play, though, when I first read it, it was a frustrating read, and I think intentionally so. Like uh, the story goes, something like he he was learning to speak English, and he had one of these translation books, and you know, here are phrases you need to know. Where is the bathroom? Please give me more paprika, and just silly <laughs> phrases like that. And he thought, wow, this is absurd, and and he also he also was reeling from you know post-war being messed up and stuff so he writes this weird play that borrows heavily from like chopped up phrases and mm -hmm. the inability so there there's a few other markers of absurdism is like an inability to communicate you know a constantly attempting to but an inability to do so so this one had like an emphasis on the the words and the failure so they're conversations just felt like everyone calling them conversations it's like yes it's sustained monologues at each other that that and it, sustained is even weird, like sustained in terms of time, but not in terms of content, just the just just back and forth and back and forth of like mind numbing and trying. So for me as an assistant director, I view my job as understanding the director's vision and then helping that vision come to fruition in meaningful ways. That's mm -hmm. how I kind of framed my. All right. Those are my goals, I'll yeah. say. So then you read this play and it makes no damn sense. And then and then like making that no damn sense come to fruition and trying to like yeah. coach or or help the 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 actors like how do you, how should you read this line and it's like the pope elopes the pope's got bespoke no horoscope and like okay <laughs> like those are the I, I didn't get that exactly right it's the it the pope's matter. got no horoscope <laughs> the horoscope's bespoke the pope elopes so that's the line and it's mm -hmm. like okay and some of it, and clearly there's some playfulness with words, but if you were to say, like, Bennett, how should I deliver this line? It's like, oh, man. Uh, but in the greater context, it's like they're fighting. So you can pretend it's a fight. You can you can not just pretend, but, like, envision a specific fight, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is where the director was good. It's like, okay, it's Thanksgiving dinner, and your your relative has just uttered some nonsense politically and, you know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Now, now engage as if things are escalating. So then the, the dialogue is The Pope has a horoscope. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's how kind of how it would happen, and uh, and so yeah, so the Pope's bespoke. He, 
Well, and I will like my, the the V director was a is a really like he's good at what he does, and I, and the fact that I respect him and the kids respected him, so he had the authority necessary, I think, to make a play like this happen. Because mm-hmm. I think if you were to just like if it were my first year at a startup school and they somehow said you're going to direct this play, Daniel. Oh gosh, and like I wouldn't have the authority to pull that play off. You'd have to give me something very, very normal, yeah, um, like a and boring like Romeo like and Juliet, Catcher in the Rye, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to kill a to kill a mockingbird, yeah, yeah something yeah, lame yeah. about hunting. It's like t- that should be like, you just only reference those two books anytime we're talking. Like, I kind of do. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of those two in the dictionary. You know what? I kind of do, too. Like, just... <laughs> yeah, that's what English teachers do. That's part of the joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, enough about all that. Uh, so other examples of absurdism, like whose line is it anyway? It brings in absurdism, you know, a lot or used to. And, you know, that was really funny. D- did you see the movie Every Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, All at the Same Time, Simultaneously, or whatever <laughs> it was called? I want to see it. Um, but no, I've not seen it. I've heard it's yeah. like a visual treat and that the narrative is interesting. I, I haven't seen it either, but I've heard about it and it sounds like there are aspects of absurdism to that uh, to that piece of cinema. Yeah, the way they, they talk about it is it was short-lived but had a long last, like its influence is kind of, it's just intertwined in our, in, in the zeitgeist, I'll yeah, say. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. The di- diaspora. I heard that word the other day. Like, every time I hear the word diaspora, I go, what does that mean? And, it's and like think, a stomach condition, I think. No. <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, based on based on your uh, description, uh, I'm, pr- I'm gently pro-absurdist. Every now and I then, a just... uh, little, little, little absurdist uh, entertainment, you know. Won't, won't miss I the mark. Though, what I think, though, is a framing it as like this sort of, you know, a delightful romp into weird stuff, and all of that sounds appealing, but when you actually experience, I think it's almost like designed, there's an intentional off-putting nature of, of absurdism that is meant to alienate the audience. Like, there are efforts meant to, to do that, sure. I think. Well, um, I mean, in a way, yeah. it is a kind of subversion, Right, like uh, our, yes. our our current time, uh, current year, <laughs> really current decades, um, mo is subversion. Uh, it is yes. taking taking the narratives and stories that have been popular and well loved forever uh, and subverting them, uh, kind of destroying them or dismantling them, or uh, you know the 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 positive way to frame it would be like titillating and delighting the audience by, you know, giving them something they didn't expect. But when that thing that you didn't expect is essentially punching you in the face or, you know, tearing down something that you love, then it's not so great. And that's kind of, that's kind of been what the, uh, 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 you know, a lot of entertainment has moved towards. And absurdism is kind of like, like if subversion, that full subversion, like Game of Thrones or, the Star Wars, the Disney Star Wars movies. If that's going all the way and really destroying, then absurdism is kind of like this middle ground where you know you don't have an interest in destroying, but you don't have an interest in preserving. You're just going crazy. Yes, you know? I think I think that's a fair way to put it because subversion is a narrative. I'm going to substitute. I'm going to deconstruct your narrative yes. and go in the opposite direction, which is a 
a direction to go, you know, and right. absurdism is like, I'm not interested in direction. I right, am, right, a, right. I you, see you, that you have direction and I will not do that. I will like avoid that. Yeah. You thought um, Luke Skywalker was a brave, courageous and moral hero. Well, actually he's a deadbeat loner, old man eating, you know, drinking green milk on an Island. That's subversion. Right. But yes, absurdism would have been no, actually, you know, Luke is, uh, a Wookiee, <laughs> and he was wearing a human suit the whole time, and he plays the accordion, a Jedi accordion, yeah, for a yeah. living, or whatever. Yes, yes. Actually, I would say absurdism, like, you, you're you pulling from too many elements within the Star Wars universe. It would say, it would be, like, he's... Yeah. He's, he's, know, he's Elon Musk's or brother, it, or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, it, it, it... Because what you would describe might even be, like funny by design i don't know because of the familiarity i don't know i just i so so here's my question i think subversion is interesting and i think that absurdism if it subverts too much then it and then it gets some a movement so like eugenie Inesco gets labeled as an absurdist playwright and we do his plays over and over and it has fan like it has uh, some sort of fan base that that loves it like isn't haven't we like formed a pretty cohesive narrative yeah, around that's the thing. work? That's that's it, yeah. that's exactly what I was thinking. Like when you said that, you know, the absurd absurdist movement was relatively brief. That makes sense, right? Because you pigeonhole yourself really fast. Like when you yeah. when, when all you're doing is random. Like yeah, that that <laughs> that may be appealing when you're embedded within a context of expectation. But when you just blow it all up and everything is random, then nothing matters anymore. And, you know, you, you it's not going to draw your attention for very long. With, I mean, that, that's yeah, why I think like, a lot remember? of people, a lot of people got tired of like fam, the family guy type thing where, you know, the, the Kraken would burst in and tear the house apart and, you know, whatever in one scene. And then the commercial would come and you'd be back to normal. And people were just like, oh, family guy humor, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tiring, it's exhausting because it's not connected enough, and we do crave connection. I mean, it reminds me of a college when I was studying poetry, and I came across Gertrude Stein's Tender Buttons, yes. and it uh, was like we've discussed that on this podcast, right? We we did okay, some Gertrude Stein, so, yeah, a long time and ago. And when that happened, I laughed. I mean, do you remember? I call, I think I called you from the library. And yeah. was like we were like in tears, like reading these, free, and then you, yes. I think you made a you maybe like had to go write some yeah, yourself. Yeah, had it's to like, go. I make gotta some. go do. <laughs> Which is a real response, by the way. Sure. But I think what part of our humor is like this is considered good. I'm I can't believe this, this is real. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, because exactly. I could, in fact, replicate this. And that's the yes. thing about like some like, rap, some artistic movements, and yeah. rap, and rap and like country, <laughs> country and pop. pop and I mean, it's clear <laughs> if I mean if I can replicate it, then it doesn't deserve to be what it is. I think there's some truth if you can if if. Little old Bennett or little old Daniel, like who has no vested interest in that, can replicate it to the degree that it's like indistinguishable well, that's from why, that which is celebrated. Then why are we celebrating? Yeah, it? that's why I like abstract art. That's you know just some splatters and stuff. Like that's why I don't respect that kind of art. Yeah, but yeah maybe it looks yeah. cool. I mean, maybe Bennett's rap song, Little Bennett, it, you know, sounds good and has a nice yeah. beat to it and a nice hook. It's really lit. But that that doesn't mean really that doesn't mean it's respectable. I mean, it's iconic. That word has really you know you know people were saying epic. Now they're saying iconic. Just say so you no. Know, really? It's really iconic. Yeah. Oh, okay. And slay, slay is another. I know term slay, slay queen. Oh, 
do you know do you know eight like uh that eight, eight the number you, you ate bennett no like you you consumed it like you really devoured it like you bennett no, you I'm ate not, no are you you're okay. you're messing with me right no i'm very serious about this one i've been uh, talking with some kids about slang recently uh, i'm like i'm pretty out of it so I, but yeah they, i've they, not heard that at all and yeah, yeah. i'm a little I kind of think you're messing with me, and that makes I'm me. Really, oh, I'm really not. That makes me <laughs> kind of excited. Like I feel like you could do a really There's funny, a, lot of jokes a funny, somehow. a funny fake slang thing with me. Well, and, I had to catch myself with like a kid's like after one performance. So we the cast was double cast, and one did you know one was watching the other performance. It was two two groups. So there's like they didn't we didn't label them A or B, and they really the, the talent was dispersed, and they were all fantastic. Whatever, whatever. But like. A cast went, then B, then A, then B. But like a, a B cast while observing A went, you know, just you really ate tonight, and like it's not. It, they delivered that <laughs> as a compliment to a, a, an individual that I overheard, and it was not ironic. And it every time, even though I know that that's slang, it it like it doesn't land naturally for me. No, like that when they go, stupid. oh, slay, that that lands natural. Oh. I mean, it's dumb sounding, yes, but it, but like I intuit it. Like it just like oh, slay. Yeah, that was sure. awesome. Cool. Like, that all fits. But going, you ate tonight. I go, what? I, what? Like, eight I, out of I ten. To, oh. Eight I have out to of translate ten. it. Pretty good. You ate. Oh, like, like someone whose uh, grammar isn't quite right. You you ate. Like, you, like, like a sexy girl. You ate tonight. You ate. <laughs> you ate out of ten, girl. Yeah, you ate. <laughs> you ain't seven. You oh, ate. Okay. 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 Oh, funny. <laughs> You seven. You eight. You seven. <laughs> like, angrily. You a six max. You six max. Anyway. Uh, mid. That's one, right? I've heard that one. Mid is one. Mid. Mid. And um, back to, uh, just really briefly, back to uh, absurdism. I think I know a way to, it's one of my great ideas of my life. Um, I think I know a way to, to get absurdism without totally losing the care, you know? And okay. that is my famous idea of genre twist, um, which I don't know if I brought up on the podcast before, but it's where, you know, take a, take a series like The Office, it's a comedy, and it's kind of goofy, and then for the, f- the twist, the finale, it's you no longer make it comedy. You make it dead, serious, dramatic. You know, someone has a heart attack, not not like Stanley has a heart attack in the actual thing, but they play it totally straight and there's no humor or like Dwight dies in a car accident or something and you play it totally straight. We're well into a drama. Yeah. Yes. Very dramatic the territory. Or yeah. the, the, the converse, you know, it's a dramatic show. It's Breaking Bad or it's the Bald, the bald Sopranos or whatever it is, <laughs> mafia movie. And... And you make it into a comedy or, you know, you, you genre twist it, make it a mystery, whatever. Like, yeah. ah, there we go. That throws a that throws a wrench into things, but it's still the characters, you know, in love. A musical and episode or yeah, something. Yeah, you know? it's disrespectful <laughs> to the audience for sure, but it's not as disrespectful as total subversion or, um, or just total meaningless absurdism. Yeah. So absurdism is best when... Uh... Uh, you, you peppered in versus doing like doing yeah. a whole absurdist, and even even that's actually maybe why I found it delightful to work on. I actually had a really good experience, and I think that's because it was part of my life, but it wasn't my whole life. I wouldn't want my whole life to be absurdism. I'm like, gosh, no, what, a, what a terrible, 
Yeah, yeah. No one would, I don't think. So, yeah. Huh. Well, so is that your, that's your first of many play experiences? Um, I really liked it, but uh, and it was also absolutely daunting in terms of time commitment. Um, but I've the kids just they're they're my they're my cup of tea. Like I don't know, theater uh, kids are weird, man. Yes, they are. They're sensitive and they're dramatic and they're and I just really like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure. I shouldn't surprise you that I really no, do just that like this sort of per- performative sincere weird also i just appreciate that they for the most part kind of exist outside of like that sort of uh high school hierarchy of just annoying like where do you stand in terms of like people are always concerned where they're at and and these are kids that sort of are like no they're they're already (laughs) at the bottom so it doesn't matter (laughs) there's freedom there's freedom there's nothing to lose kind of i see what you're saying but I think, <laughs> I don't think it's entirely true. <laughs> I hear you. Um, Loud and clear. But I like that the, so even like ninth graders and seniors are having to work on stuff together too. And I think that's really healthy that they're they're working as colleagues and not as like you're at the bot, you know, another. Right, like, right, right, just, right. And, and so I really just, I really liked it. Um, I didn't get paid for it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that sucks. It does for that amount of work, for a and lot that of time, of dedication, and that, ha- and like so. Well, the experience uh, was pay enough, and I'm sure yeah, that when this, you know, it was a big uh, theater event the first time. You know, it was in the movie theaters and everything. So this one, when it comes out, I'm sure it'll make <laughs> millions, and they'll compensate you on the back end. I'm sure yeah, your yeah. contract included some royalties or something. <laughs> can't, can't wait to see your name in the credits. Yeah, man. <laughs> um uh is there anything else you wanted to talk about with regards to the uh the play experience never no i'm done that all is right. it all right i have a um a short article that i found that uh well that i found very uh very striking i want to read it to you and uh-huh. uh, and get your thoughts on okay. this article <clears throat> so this is an article from august of 2020 the reason I'm bringing such an old article to you is because I actually heard the claim uh, made in this article recently, and I wanted to know where it came from. And I think uh, this is the origin, or at least refers to the origin. So <clears throat> anyway, the article is entitled, Are You Getting Enough Hugs? Huh. Are you getting enough hugs? Virginia... Huh. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Virginia Satir... A world-renowned family therapist is famous for saying, we need four hugs a day for survival. We need eight hugs a day for maintenance. We need 12 hugs a day for growth. How many hugs are you getting each day? With With social distancing, dramatically reduced human contact, and more digital than physical interactions, many of us are running short on hugs. These extra measures to keep ourselves healthy is causing mental and emotional health problems, lost productivity at work, reduced intimacy and trust, increased anger and aggression, and that's just the start. As leaders, it's essential that we take this seriously. The more emotionally and mentally balanced we are, the more we can help our teams to become so. So let's look at why humans humans need hugs, and then we'll look at strategies to get more. This is an article in uh, <laughs> Forbes, by the way. Okay. Uh, So four reasons why humans need hugs. Number one, hugs strengthen your immune system and balance your body. 
A hug results in some pressure on your sternum, which then stimulates the thymus gland, which then regulates and balances the body's production of white blood cells, which keeps you healthy. Hugs help increase circulation and help balance our sympathetic, aka fight, flight, freeze, and parasympathetic, aka rest and digest nervous systems. All good. Number two, hugs increase your feelings of safety. Hugs emotionally feed us, help us remember that we're not alone, help us feel more trust with others. Ever notice how relaxed you feel after a juicy hug? Hugs hugs remind us that we're with others, and together we can face any challenge. Did you say juicy, just to be clear? I said juicy. I said it, and I'm proud of it. A juicy hug sounds gross. (laughs) Number three, hugs increase your feelings of belonging. Hugs boost oxytocin levels, which heal feelings of loneliness, isolation, and anger. Hugging is a shared experience. You're both giving and receiving affection. Nice. Number four, hugs increase your feelings of mattering, self-esteem, being seen, like the same reason. and self-love. Extended, self-love, yeah. extended hugging, 20 seconds or more, boosts your serotonin levels, causing you to feel happy and more positive emotions overall. When you see another person look at you with the kindness and affection, you remember that you're loved, just like you did as a child when your parents looked at you and acknowledged you were here and they were happy you were. So here are three suggestions this article gives on how to get more hugs. Okay. Number one, ask others. Get a hug, buddy. If you live with others, this is easy. Start keeping a daily tally and find out what number of hugs makes you feel most at peace. If you live alone, get a hug, buddy. This is a buddy that observes the same social distancing and pandemic protocols that you do. It's essential to be able to relax into a delicious hug, set times when you'll get together for hugs. You can also sit back to back on the ground and lean against one another for an extended period of time. You could be reading or talking during this time. Number two. Wait, that counts as a hug? I don't, it counts I don't, as, I don't know, it's Forbes, they're the experts. Number two, hug and or sleep with your pet. Yes, oh, this is not really? the same as hugging a human, but still it's contact with another Good living observation, being. observation, Forbes. So Let's go for see. it. Many people I know are breaking the rules and letting their dog sleep on the bed now. Throw a special dog blanket on top to protect your bedding and snuggle up. And number three, the final one, hug yourself. This may sound silly, but it works. Remember the goal is oxytocin and serotonin release, so you may want to turbocharge this experience by listing all the things you love about yourself. This is about mental and emotional health, friends, and yours is more important than ever with the extended pandemic and continued uncertainty. So this this is a thing. This is an article. Yeah. Um, Uh. I wanted to get your thoughts uh, on this article. the, The claim that I heard was that humans need eight hugs a day. And I was like, that sounds like really something else. I need to find out where this originated from. And <laughs> It's it, hilarious. And it, yeah. it seems that it came from this particular therapist uh, who said, we need four hugs a day for survival. So, yeah. so I just want to ask, how many hugs do you get a day? Well, that's a very personal question. I, yeah, well. I do get a hug a day. I do hug every day. 
Do you get four uh, hugs a day? <laughs> no. Well, then you're a <laughs> dead man. You are a dead man, my friend. I'm even... I want to give it a gracious reading because I think ob- we can obviously mock sure. the the idea of, uh, but I'm still struck by a couple of things. Yes. So like 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 I'm 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 the audience for an article like this. I like, I I, I can I agree with it in this vague metaphorical sense and like physical contact is important and sh- it's another avenue of showing our humanity to. The specificity of hugs is interesting, mm-hmm. and no comment on the quality of hugs or sincerity of hugs. Like there was a bit on the length, and I appreciated that it got to that. Or, um, or the participants, really? Yeah, yeah. Or if, if you're just saying, also, you can hug your dog. Like, well, why not? Hug, what can you hug? I mean, the the, the warm article and soft. The article know, literally like, ended with what I, I I think sums it all up. Go hug yourself. And, yeah, go hug yourself. And that's and it, it. It made me, that actual, that ending made me think of, um, um, oh, blanking on the term where you fill in the blank. You, you, Masturbate. You, a bunch of work. <laughs> you, you choose where, it's the game oh, where you Mad just give you a bunch of, Mad Sim- Libs. Similar, you just, similar but and different. You, and you change, <laughs> similar but different. <laughs> you substitute hug with a lot of different like whatever yeah, you right. want it could be a pretty right. funny article but also yeah. like the f word would be pretty funny like you know how many chili um, dogs do humans require a day <laughs> that's absurdist right yeah yeah um and then but the go go chili dog yourself you know <laughs> it's so funny um, um i want you're gonna laugh at this because if the takeaway is like to contemplate the the I'll say utility, but but the holistic uh, like hugs are nice. I'm going to try and give this a, a genuine reading. Hugs are mm-hmm. nice. I like the idea of it. I like the idea of being more intentional. I'm wondering if like is there a place for the professional hug or the the friend <laughs> sure. but not that close of a friend hug? Or obviously, like it's all about that serotonin and oxytocin. So <laughs> any you know it's pressure on the sternum. Anyone can do that. I don't believe. Well, that's the thing is I think if we're just like. Physical, I don't. Physical contact is, and and intimacy and joy. I believe in all of that, and I'd have a hard time even. I mean, I think that's just. Do people not believe that physical contact can elevate mood when done appropriately and like show care and like there's something very even people if you don't like to be touched there's a reason the maybe it's too intense or there's a discomfort or a this is too intimate and doesn't belong like there's an emission if you feel a certain way that like it is it is it's powerful i guess is what i'll say um yeah i mean so like yeah to giving it a charitable read you really have to chop out most of the article, which is yes. H- hugs are nice sometimes. That's that's it. That's what I agree with. Yeah, hugs are nice I'm also, sometimes. I'm also um, I'm starting. I'm a, I guess offended is a strong word, but like I'm so tired of here's something that is good, and let me prove it to you by science and saying. Yeah. I bet you could take a yeah. handful of fifteen words that yes. the, that even yeah. I could start to say. Uh, you know, the, whether it's fight or flight or whatever, and just start yeah. citing them in this blurry, head spinny way that makes no sense and right. cite. That, I don't know. That's my that's my primary complaint with this article, and I and I I think this article represents a gigantic class of articles that we are yes. bombarded with today, which yes. is. Total and utter pseudoscience. Let's be clear. 
the entire field of social psychology is a, a there, there's what they it's call a, replica, a replication crisis right now, which the number is absurd. It's like 50% of all social psychology can't be replicated. And and so, like, really, it's a wow. coin toss as to whether any study you read is bunk or not. Like, that's the dire situation of social psychology right now. And, this, and, and then we have an entire class of articles written by idiots based on yeah. these studies that are coin tosses and this is what you get you get you get what's this person's name christine coma ford it's a great name because i want to go into a coma after reading it <laughs> she's so sugary sweet she likes saccharine. hugs she likes hugs and she wants to prove how sweet yes how sweet and saccharine hugs are and so she went and found some words like oxytocin and serotonin and dumped it them does. in. It feels like a ninth article. grade student wrote it is what it feels. That wrote a good yeah. a good piece for a ninth grade student. It said, I'm going to back it and really prove that hugs yeah, are great. Right. Um, but, and, and it totally, it t- like <sighs> oxytocin and serotonin, you can't just say the words. Like you have to provide a mechanism. And, and why I think this particular example is dumb is because it's not – just pressure on the sternum oh it releases oxytocin and serotonin it makes you feel nice like so much detail is elided by saying that like yes when you what yes. why why is a hug nice it's not the physical sensation purely it's the it's it's the connection you have with the hugger and the huggy, right? Yes, that's it's a link between the physical and the emotional. It's, it's that link it, precisely. It, like it's in a the relationship. Same, in the same way that our normal boring existence is made interesting by some absurdism tossed in, our normal non-physical contact existence as we go through our day is made pleasant by this brief moment of intimate physical contact. And so it gives us this little jolt of pleasure when we, we're doing this thing that we don't normally do with most of our time in the day, right? Like that's part of it. It's a psychological uh, effect, not a physical one. And this article, like it either it it either dwelt on the physical response, which is totally unsubstantiated, and then listed three essentially identical BS claims about self love and feeling seen and buzzwords that have no definitions yeah. at all. So hug buddy, hug buddy, <laughs> hug buddy. Yeah, Maybe anyway, I should well, like, yourself a hug buddy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just found a preposterous four for survival. You're dead and you're married and you like people. So think about me, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you haven't had a hug in a while. Probably. I, I was know? trying like, to, is- <laughs> I, I was trying to think, right. How many hugs do I get a year? If we're doing an- <laughs> I probably surpass it in a week. You an know. annual and I, and hug, I'm dead. <laughs> annual hug quota for me is we don't hug. I hug my friends. I don't hug you, and I I, you're a friend, so yeah. clear, to be clear. But like I, I hug like other people. But I I, I probably you know. like I hug when I go home for Christmas. I hug my family, but that means like my mom, my aunts, my grandma. I mean that's probably like I probably hug my mom when I when I arrive and when I leave. I mean we're pushing ten a year. Yeah, you can estimate with with a reasonable accuracy ten hugs a year for you. Yeah. So how yeah. dead am I? <laughs> I mean this like very, my very my, dead. my experience that experience 
uh, this lady, uh, Virginia Satir, the world-renowned family therapist, who we should obviously—I'm sure you've heard of her. Yeah, we should yeah. obviously take her word um, on this. But like, I must be in really dire mental health straits, you know? Like, I'm almost dead. I didn't know how close I was to death. I thought the closest I've ever been to death was like getting struck by lightning or falling down a mountain well, or something. But it's actually hug starvation. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm trying to think of, you know, these some of these studies that'll say like if you smile, then you become happier. And there's some study about putting pencils in your. I mean, all this I guess I should question more given. You know, like you said, it's up in the air, and it could be a t- coin toss of whether it's legitimate or not. But they, some study, I think it was Harvard, did like put pencils in people's mouths, which ca- sideways, which caused them to smile, as it kind of like you know, yeah. you, you literally just physically doing the act, and then they reported on being happier, and it was reinforcing the idea that it, you 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 do fake it till you make it kind of thing, you fake it till you become it attitude. And so I I imagine the reason I'm connecting this is I imagine. As someone who's receptive to hugs, enjoys a good hug, and, you know, like, if the article, I walk away and go, like, maybe I want to have a, another hug, like, maybe I should be more intentional about getting more hugs in my life, it, I could see it moving my happiness line, at least temporarily, I'd probably, like, level out. If I really did reach a new norm of four a day, I think pretty quickly it would, uh, you know, there'd be a spike in my, like, happiness if that's measurable or at least my self-reported happiness that would you know even out um but even all of that this is the most gracious reading there's something dark about me going come on bennett like why can't we just uh you know maybe it pushes people to engage in a few more hugs but like what it's doing is it's saying i can make social claims about the world and the way we should function and not have to like have it be backed by anything serious or substantive that's dangerous because that means we can socially dangerous. manipulate. We can we can just start creating narratives that you know sound plausible in some way. Throw out some junk science and to back it up, and then like start shaping their cultural norm. Like these are culture shifting. If you get a bajillion of these clickbaity things, then like you have a culture shift. Yeah, potentially. Think, think so. about think about this. If if it's true that we need four hugs a day for survival. If I find someone not getting four hugs a day, it's my moral obligation <laughs> to to save their life and hug them, right? Like it doesn't matter That's just for if the it's minimum, right? If it's a woman in the locker room or you know whatever, like what, like if it's a stranger, but I know that she hasn't got her four hugs in the day, it can't. It's not harassment or any like. Just think about how absurd that is, right? Four hugs for survival. I was, Your Honor, I was saving her life. Like, like it gives the immediate lie to this con to this concept. Like this is so is so dumb. <laughs> Do you think, given that you get roughly ten hugs a day and a year you should be getting a year? Sorry, and you should be getting fourteen hundred sixty <laughs> hugs a day. Do you think the next or a year? Just just to like make sure the next time we hang out, oh, I give man. you say fourteen hundred fifty hugs, and you can kind of coast for the rest. You can survive Thanks, the year man. based you're on like a, the a surplus of hugs. Yeah, I wonder if they. Uh, it would probably all my oxytocin would build up. It would probably be toxic levels of oxytocin and serotonin, and that probably wouldn't be good. So I'm sure that Christina Comerford or whatever. Hugs. Yeah, Christine Comerford. She'll she'll write a new article about that now that. The COVID, uh, 
craziness is over, she's probably got to follow up to this bad boy. I also thought, just as a little mini miniature side point, you know, this this was written during the COVID paranoia time, but I found it interesting that one of the recommendations was like let your dirty animal in the bed. Like, oh, you have to make sure your hug buddy observes appropriate social distancing protocols, but but go ahead and let this <laughs> animal that looks its anus in your bed to rub its butthole on your pillow. <laughs> like that's just ridiculous. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Do, do you feel like it exists in the cultural ethos somewhere? Have you been told that like babies need to be like yeah, experience yeah. physical touch early yeah, sure. on, or they die? Yeah, and I've heard like, all that. Is stuff. that true, or is that no. am I just sort of accepting? I mean, you know, is it because... is it better than not? Yeah, like it's better for the baby to you know be held by the mother and the father and so on. Like, there's probably immune system benefits you know exposure like there's probably some biological some actual physical reasons why that's true but yeah but on baby island you know that i like to talk about where you you know yeah. have babies and you basically separate them from all culture and have them surreptitiously kept alive you know yeah yeah those those babies type system those babies would survive they would survive so I don't know if the hug is just it's, it's pulling on all the things I'm talking like it, it appears if you squint and don't look and you don't think <laughs> it, it appears like a positive message and backed by science because I actually think people just glaze over those parts but they they kind of see it and maybe I'm picturing the article you read having like um, you know melatonin and bold blue hyperlinked to, to you know like all this stuff's like a little hyperlinked every time there's a sciencey word you could click on and read more about um, what you wanted uh, uh there actually you know aren't, what I'm there aren't that many of those words but i'll tell you a lot you, of advertisements in this in this article as well well i have ad block on like always uh, yeah, but the yeah. um the only highlighted words are safety uh, which links okay. to another Forbes article called The Three Things All Humans Crave and How to Motivate Anyone, Anytime, Anywhere. Okay, I've not clicked on that. And then there's another one that highlights the word isolation, which links to an article okay. called What Stress Change and Isolation Do to Your Brain. So apparently this author is just linking to some of her other articles. Gotcha. I guess I just the point, though, of, of this, I'll throw out some science despite it being gobbledygook, despite it being, like, look, my knowledge of science is super limited. We literally have a dangerous <laughs> science thing, and I still, like, read that or hear that and go, like, come on, that's goofy. That is so goofy. Um, but that passes the sniff test enough to crank out, like, a, a clickbait a Forbes thing. article. It's like, because I, I think the reason they're willing to do that is they go, ah, what's the harm, Daniel? Hugs are good if this gets people to hug a little more net positive and uh and i resist the idea that like you can just haphazardly publish bunk because it reinforces an idea that you find agreeable like i i resist that i do too i resist it screw hugs i'm gonna screw see hugs. if i can go a year without a hug and see if i <laughs> see I mean, has there been a? You might have gone eight eight months without a hug, and you. you know, oh yeah, very stay. likely. I think that's likely. It'd be funny to have like a calendar. I mean, I wonder like where I'm at right now. Days without hugs. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, like you, I, I haven't been that long with hugs. 
without hugs this time because I went, I went home in the middle of the year this year. So, do you I'm, think about the hugs? Do you feel uh, nourished by the hugs? No, I mean, like I said, <laughs> like I said, hugs are nice sometimes. Can you think of a hug that you did actually find nice that you were like, man, I, I needed that. It was a rough day, and I just. Or like, no. you know, I hadn't seen my mom in a long time and we held each other for 20 seconds and it was just... No. Or, or is it just like a really polite, like, or ritualistic even, right? Like, uh, it, you want to demonstrate... You don't just want to, like, go, hey, and then walk past. So yeah. there's, like, there's well, a ritualistic I, greeting. Yeah, it's a ritual. I don't... I Some people seek out hugs. At, you know, they're feeling down or insecure or whatever, and it makes them feel better and secure to have a hug. I don't know that I've ever experienced that sensation. I've I've been the giver of hugs, and those hugs make you feel nice for making the other person feel better. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I yeah. felt nice giving a hug to someone who you know was crying or feeling really bad or whatever. Like that that has felt nice, but that's rare. And yeah. you know I've never been like. I really need a hug right now. Like that's not that's a foreign concept to me personally. And like I imagine that, that's why I think like this uh, this therapist, this family therapist or whatever, and the author who who took this up, like this is a nar- this is a narrow minded thing that that, uh, that that everyone needs, you know, this sort of uh nourishment in the same way. Like this totally this is like the uh, the the extrovert bias, you know, that we see that like everyone thinks that everyone wants to be out partying or have socializing or whatever, and that's not true. Many people don't enjoy that kind of thing, and it's taxing. Uh, and it's easy to get in your own head and think that everyone's personality is the same as yours, but that's not the case. Right. So I will. I'm trying to think. I've never thought. Oh, I really could use a hug right now. But I've had moments I can think of in which Danielle. Okay, so like I've been in a rotten mood it's been rough whatever and she's just come over and like i'll call it a hug like kind of almost you don't have to hold me keep it keep it g-rated we don't need to know what it actually was (laughs) we'll just call it a hug wink wink i get what you're saying she really uh, she really hugged me (laughs) (laughs) go hug hug yourself (laughs) hug me all over um she but she just she did she held me or in a way, and I felt it really soothing and comforting. Sure, yeah, that's but, nice. But it felt like as partially because like I didn't need words, I didn't need a some sort of logic through a moment, and I was tired, and I was, and it was reassuring. Yeah, it was just it was a form of communication, and it felt slow. It felt like there was something about a hug that slowed. I slowed my whether my thought. I don't know. It was just like it was just very present. Oxytocin, yeah, yeah. So, man. so well. I mean, so I think, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm not like a well placed and timed hug. Yeah, you're not yeah, disputing I'm, hugs. I'm not disputing thing. hugs. Just, I'm not anti hug. Like, yeah, I'm. I I agree. I also wonder. I also wonder nice. to what extent. To what extent, like, let's say that smile thing is generally true. I would actually, I'm guessing here, guess that you Bennett are more resi- Like that, it would be less. Eff- generally speaking, these these things are less effective on you. Um, you're just not manipulated easily either or influenced as easily. Um, and so I don't, but I definitely on this, if I'm trying to figure out how unusual is Bennett in this situation, I'm probably a little unusual. You're a little unusual, but the article is, 
but I think I would just say you're a little unusual, but the article still remains stupid despite, yes. you know, <laughs> you're, you're a little unusual on it, take on it or whatever. Yeah. not take, but like, uh, a relationship with hugs <laughs> or maybe yeah. maybe i need to be more open-minded about this you know maybe i need to go get a hug buddy just enlist someone <laughs> total stranger yeah can you put it on a on craigslist or something yeah just i just a need a hug buddy i bet that would go over real well every other every other tuesday you just you're looking yeah. for a oh just need 20 second, second hug you know yeah. hug Hey, it has to be over 20, but you want it under under 30 because you don't want it to be weird. Imagine writing that as your phone, <laughs> but you don't want it to be weird. So it has to be under 30. So I don't between want 20 to be, and 30. I don't want it to be weird. Stranger hug, buddy. We'll do buddy. it in a public area. Um, oh and you're not, you know, you're not, you're not asking for like a conversation or much of a relationship here. So literally we'll meet at the, the mall outside the Chick-fil-A, you know, 30 <laughs> paces to the right by that big oversized plant and we will hug for 20 for to 20 30 seconds. seconds. And that's all you want. All I, right. I would, I would find that thrilling. It's the same person <laughs> I, I see him every, every, just how strange that would be. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like thinking like. I'm I'm playing this out. Like, is that worth <laughs> is that worth the effort to try that? I would only need to do it once. I wouldn't actually want it to be a standing thing. I, well, one then time you would die. Enough of the, of you need four a day. <laughs> yeah, you set up four of these. You're driving for some reason. You haven't put it in the same spots. So you're driving all over town, getting your hugs desperately. Because uh, if you don't, then yeah. you're a goner. The stakes are high. Yeah. Uh, well, that's ah. uh, that's a little entertaining. Little little entertaining article for your uh, yep. entertainment so i appreciate it uh all right. that's all that's all that's i have all. All right. do 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 over